Last week I told you that in our spiritual development, there comes a time where God will say to you, you will not go further in your relationships until you go deeper with me. But on down the line, he will say to you, you will not go deeper with me until you go further in your relationships. We are at a tipping point, not just in this church, but in our personal walks with God. A tipping point is that point of critical mass at which accumulative growth becomes a viral movement. And so, God wants to teach us in a new way. And he wants to gather us in a new way. This comes in three basic parts. Number one, we have to understand what he's doing in the whole world. This isn't about us. This is about God's plan that he's always had. And so what we want to do is join in with what he's doing. Number two, this has everything to do with how you were made personally, individually. Each of you, no matter where you are, were fearfully and wonderfully made, knit together in your mother's womb. You had a purpose. God outlined, out, outlaid plans for good that, for you to do beforehand that you should walk in them. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so therefore, your life was made to fulfill a purpose he has for you no one else can fulfill. And no one else can do without you. You are irreplaceable. All your days were ordained when there was not yet as one of them. Now, how do you connect that very personal life? Which, by the way, I'm going to be preaching next week on you, personally. So you don't want to miss that. If you miss next week's sermon, you will not know what I've told everybody about you. <laughs> Just about you. How do you connect that with what God's doing in the whole world? Because that's what we were made for. There is an irrevocable, indivisible, inextricable connection between what God made us personally for and what he wants to do in all the world. So therefore, there's a middle ground. I'm going to talk about it. There's a step that none of us can miss, but we have to choose to take it. And it has everything to do with the relationships that we don't have yet, the relationships we still need to develop. Remember, you won't go any deeper with me until you go farther in your, your, you won't go any farther in your relationships until you go deeper with me, you won't get deeper with me until you go farther in your relationships. So let me just read you the challenge that God gives us all, all right? This is what differentiates us from the rest of the world. This is what it says. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, 14 and 15. Now therefore, 
Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your father served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. In other words, God says, if you want to serve the cultural gods, you can do that. That's your choice. If you want to have the cultural values, you can do that. That's your choice. But you need to be cognizant that that's what you're doing. You need to choose that. Just say, okay, that's what I'm doing. But, this is Joshua's challenge, and that word means everything. But, in contrast, Ain't where I'm going. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, what do you need besides me? The house. Let me just ask you who's your house? Who's your house? See, we were never meant to do this alone. We can only do this in a sustained and effective way if we have people around us who is our house, who is our spiritual family, who knows us, who walks with us. Who is your house? Spiritually speaking, as for me and my house, I've told you for a very long time that God made us for relationship because God himself is a relationship. And he made us in his image. It says in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Then God, the Hebrew word is Elohim. Elohim is a plural word used in a singular sense. And then God said, let us, stop right there. Who can create? Only God. He wasn't talking to the angels. The angels can't create. Only God can create. Let us, there's a relationship there, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us, an indivisible relationship, none can be defined without the other. Let us make man in our image, and God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. All of us, in order to come into that place for which God made us, that purpose for which God made us, need close spiritual relationships, indivisible. That's what we were made for. Now, I agree that some of us are introverts. I'm an introvert. So I don't need as many relationships, nor as often. (laughs) Some of you extroverts just need, I just, I gotta get, I gotta talk with somebody. I gotta gotta get with somebody. Bless you. That's great. Good for you. But there isn't one of us who does not need to be loved. There is not one of us who does not need the affirmation and the confirmation of someone else who knows who made us. There's an African word and a wushu, if I mispronounce this, I don't want to know about it until after the service. But an African word, Ubuntu. 
Ubuntu. And I realize it's also an operating system for you computer geeks, but, but let's just stick with the word for a minute. Ubuntu. It, it's a general term. It just means, uh, generally, it means humanity. But in a sense, this is what it means. It means I will never know myself until I get closer to you because only you can tell me about myself. That's what it means. Ubuntu. I will never know myself until I get closer to you because only you can tell me about myself. I want you to think about this just for a minute. If you have people who are close to you and know you tell you something about yourself, you tend to take it seriously. Things that you, you wouldn't take, if you just told yourself, you can be self-affirming, you know, everybody says, look in the mirror and tell yourself how great you are. That's fine, but it's you, you know? And if you have to do that, you're not gonna believe the person in the mirror in the first place. So this whole self-affirmation thing only works to a point. No, we were made for, listen to this term, I love this term. Intersubjective confirmation. <laughs> Isn't that a great term? Oh, intersubjective confirmation. You know what that means? That means there's not an objective test in the world that can tell you who you were, who you are, and why you were made like you are. But if you get enough people who know you and who know the one who made you, who tell you the same thing, you know, somebody comes along and says, you know, I, I, when I'm around you, this is what I see that's really terrific. You take that as a compliment. If people keep saying that, and multiple people keep saying that, you take that as the truth. There aren't enough personality inventories. Yeah, I used to, in the old days, we did the MMPI, the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory. These days, they have, they have different, the disc test, the, you know, and their spiritual gifts tests. And, and you can take those, and those are pretty good starts. Those are pretty good indicators as to what to look for. But there is not a confirmation of why, of how you were made and what your gift is to the world without several people who know you and know the one who made you, letting you know that. That's your house. Where's your house? See, some people don't have a house. From the very beginning, God made us to walk with people who knew us and loved us and knew him and saw him in us in ways we can't see in ourselves. In the Old Testament, there was a system, there was a whole system of, of temple and then synagogue later on. New Testament is temple and, and house to house. It says in, in the original church, this is what it says, Acts chapter 2, verses 46. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple. There's big church. This is the temple, all right? Big church. Watch this and breaking bread from house to house. There's your house. Those are the people who know you. Those are the people who will walk with you. Those are the people who hopefully 
You cannot define yourself without mentioning them because they're so much a part of you and you're so much a part of them. Everybody needs that kind of intimacy. I want you to remember this. Intimacy plus time yields revelation. Intimacy plus time yields revelation. And so the Bible says, as for me and my house, we don't, we, don't, we don't do the great things just by ourselves. I've told you that you're irreplaceable. I told you that God wants the whole world to know what he has offered in Jesus Christ. But what I haven't been able to make clear up to this point is how crucial it is that we do that in groups of intimacy, common strategy, of sustaining and developing fellowship. A couple of weeks ago, I was in uh, Minnesota for a for National Association of Evangelicals board meeting. And, and Greg Page was with us. Greg Page is the CEO of Cargill. Cargill is the largest privately owned corporation in the United States. If it were publicly owned, it would rank above AT&T. That's how big this thing is. This guy's the CEO, evangelical Christian. And what Cargill does a lot of is try to address the problem of world hunger. And Greg Page said something that I don't think I'll ever forget. He said, we don't have a global problem. We have a multi-local problem. Think about that just for a minute. We don't have a global problem. We have a multi-local problem. In other words, we will never attack and solve the global problem as a united force. We will only solve it if people who know each other and trust each other and can get together and work with each other solve it in their region, in their locale. Could I say to you the same thing applies in spiritual victory, in spiritual advancement? There's not a global challenge here. There's a multi-local challenge. Who is your house? Who is your house? You see, we're all trying to cook up these giant strategy as to how to solve the world's problems. How does God solve the world's problems? Through relationships, healthy relationships. Last week I was with a friend of mine, Chris Seipel in, in, uh, in DC. He's the head of, he's the CEO of, uh, of uh, Institute for Global Engagement that works a lot with the State Department. And he, he said this phrase, he said, we were talking about the, you know, the foreign policy and strategies and all that kind of stuff. He said this, relationships reveal strategy. Relationships reveal strategy. How do you proceed? You'll figure it out as you talk about it together. And as you have a relationship with people you're trying to help. Relationships reveal strategy. Who is your house? Who are those people who know you so well that you can say, this is my spiritual family, like Jesus did that day 
when his biological family came and he said, who is my family? And he just looked around the room, he just waved his hand. See, whoever does the will of my heavenly father, that's my mother and my brother and my sisters right here. That's my spiritual family. We want each of you to have a spiritual family. Now, some of you have a pretty good start. You already have a big church, personal church. We call it personal church or distributed church. Distributed sounds a little mechanical, so we're starting to call it personal church. But you have people who say, this is my church. This is my house. This is my spiritual family. And you can recognize it. And whenever you have a hurt, whenever you have somebody you want to pray for you, somebody who wants to stand with you in a, in a battle, you've got somebody to go to. But most of you don't. You may even be active in the church. You may participate in some of the, some of the wonderful activities we have, and all of them are helpful, and all of them are valid, and all of them are a form of church. But they're not a church. A house, a personal church that we need in order to be developed to the max and be effective to the max. And so that's what we want to build. That's what we want to build. And the first step is prayer. Now watch. This isn't something we build. This is something Jesus builds. Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail again. You, you, you don't build the church. I build the church. All right? So the first thing we've got to do is pray. Because we've got to get on board with what God's agenda is for our life. None of us have relationships by accident. You understand that by now, right? God, God I, I keep telling you, all of us want to know why we were made like we were. It was on purpose. Why we've been through what we have. There must have been a purpose for us. If we serve a God who knows the number of hairs on your head, if we serve a God who, in the words of Benjamin Franklin, a sparrow cannot fall without his knowledge, then what you've been through has a purpose that will be used of God that's more important than if you had never been through it. But you will never know what it is until you're on mission to God together. Mission to God, mission of God with each other. So we want to know why we're made like we were, why we've been through what we have, and what our remaining mission is. We must have a remaining mission or we still wouldn't be here. If our mission was, was done, we'd be gone. So we want to know what that is, right? So we got to pray. And we got to pray with a certain attitude. First of all, we got to pray not just to get on God's agenda. That's the secret to prayer. Prayer isn't to get God on your agenda. A lot of people filibuster God and try to convince him, get on my agenda here. Now you got that turned around. Prayer is to put our in the position and say, God, I want to get on your agenda. But God looks for something when you pray. Do you realize this? He looks for something when you pray. You know what he's looking for? He's looking to, believe, to see if you have enough faith. Remember what, what the Bible says. Jesus said, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That's what he said. <laughs> do you have faith enough to prepare for what God's about to do? See, that's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing this tipping point thing. It's a two-year preparation 
for what God is going to be doing. We have faith enough to believe that God's going to do this, and so we're going to prepare for it. That's really key. I heard a story once, maybe some of you have heard this story about a drought that happened out west and then had rain for months and months and months. And, and, and so the, the church decided they'd get together and, and, and pray for rain, you know? And so on a pointed time, on a pointed day, they all gathered in the, they all gathered in the church and the leader got up and he looked around the room and he said, I just got one question. Where are your umbrellas? See, if you pray, are you really expecting God to do anything? I love football. It's a real test of my faith that there, we have Saturday evening services. Because I, I love college football. I got all kinds of teams I follow and I just I love college football. But, but when I'm watching those games, periodically, the quarterback will be flushed out of the pocket. You've seen this. And the camera always stays on the quarterback. But every once in a while, the camera will switch as to what's happening as that quarterback's running around looking for somebody to throw it to. And what they see is a bunch of guys trying to get open, going, here, here, throw it to me, throw it to me, throw it to me, throw it to me. Here I am, Lord, you know? Now, if a quarterback sees somebody standing out there with his thumbs in his pants, kind of looking around going, man, this is a great spot to watch the game. <laughs> this is, I, I like this. Look at all the people up here. You think quarterback's going to throw him the ball? Not in a million years. Who's he going to throw it? The one who's prepared. The one who says, give me the ball. That's what God's looking for in prayer. And when we pray, what should we expect? When we give, I'm going to get this in just a minute. What should we expect? That God is going to take that gift and use it more purposely and more effectively than we could ever ask or even imagine. A few years ago, one of the ladies in the church, her name was Cheryl, told me about a story of her grandfather. And she said he was raised in the Depression. You know, he's just a tough old bird. And to this day, he didn't have much money, you know? And he was kind of frugal, a little bit stingy, you know? Kind of guarded his stuff. You know, if you went through the Depression, that's part of, you know. Well, he belonged to his church and, and uh, and he had, he had been having trouble with his eyes. And, you know, as old, you know, older people just have eye problems. And so back in that day, you just you, you went to the, the doctor and got some glasses. And so he saved and he saved and he, he got money for examination and glasses. And so he got these glasses and he put them on and he could see fine. But they didn't, you know, the first time you put on glasses or the wear glasses, they don't feel normal. So you just keep taking them off, you know. And so that's what he do. Just take them off, put them, put them back on. So the church said, hey, we're packing some crates for China. Come on and help us pack, you know, because the guy loved to work. You know, he was just a work guy. So, okay. So he goes over and he's packing this stuff, stuff in the crates, and he's taking his glasses, putting them in his pocket, and putting them back on, and taking, putting his pocket back. Well, they sealed up all the cr 
greats, you know, at the end of the day. And uh, checked his pocket, no glasses. So they look all around, can't find his glasses. Well, he's a little ticked off at God. Got to be honest with you, just a little ticked off. Had a little argument, you know. God, I worked so hard for the money for these glasses. I can't even believe that, I, you know, I, I, I don't have the glasses. We can't find my glasses. Months later, true story, they get a letter from the missionary to whom they sent these crates. He said, I cannot thank you enough for all the supplies you sent, especially for the glasses. <laughs> he said, let me tell you what happened. Just a short time before these crates arrived, the communists came in and they either took or destroyed everything we had, including my glasses. And he said, when I saw that one pair of glasses and I put them on and they fit me perfectly and they were exactly my prescription, I knew that God had given me a gift. Cheryl said, when that letter was read in church, she looked over at her grandfather and these big tears are coming down his cheeks. You know, I know sometimes we give away stuff we need. But you know, don't you, that God gave it to you because someone else needs it even more. And so when we give, it's an act of realizing who we are in God's plans. And so in a couple of weeks, we're going to be doing these. And if you haven't got one yet, do it. Because it's, a, it's, it's just a concrete step to say in the next couple of years, here's how we're going to prepare for what God's going to do for our church. And there's a give and a live part. I'm going to talk just for a few minutes about the give, but I'm going to talk mostly about the live. The give part, totally self-explanatory. By the way, it doesn't matter how much money we get out of this. It doesn't matter. What matters is everybody's in. Because God made a plan for each one of us. And we all want to be in together. This is our big house. All right? And so wherever you are, you need to participate through, you know, the online thing is just totally plain. Okay? But we're in this together. And the, and the whole deal is simply take your next step. Pray. And ask God, God, what's my next step? See, anybody can take their next step. It's real simple. Just take my next step. Well, God, what's my next step? Well, obviously, if you're, if, you're, if you're not giving, your next step would be give something. I don't care how much. That's not the point. The point is, Lord will put in your heart, wants you in on this. Give something. If you're already giving, I want you to take the next step. Give consistently. Because I want you to recognize everything you get is from me. And so when you get it, I want you to give a part of it back to me as a recognition that it came from me. If you're already giving consistently, your next step would be tithe. It's a biblical standard. 
And if you're already get tight, give hilariously. If you're already tight, just give hilariously. Just have fun with it. And maybe even give stuff you got that you don't use anymore. Or even maybe you do use it and you still would rather the Lord have it, you know? We're, we're a nation of accumulators, you know that? I mean, we're, we're like, we're all hoarders. We, not, we may not be the, I got to work my way through the newspapers hoarders, but we, we, you know, we've all got stuff. We just got stuff. God could put that to such use. Resource giving. So I'm going to show you a video because we, we love people's stories. I'm going to show you a video and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk, talk to you about how to live this out. What's the living part? What are the steps that I can build that faith community, that house, um, or the Lord can help me build this? Uh, but just watch this and then I'll be right back. Okay? Okay. You know, the 10% is the least that we can do. It's the 90% he just allows us to manage and be stewards over. But the reality is, is 100% of it's his anyway. We're the Renfros, and we've been attending Northland for over 10 years. Uh, we ended up at Northland um, after we moved down here. We tried Northland, um, one of the very first churches. And Pastor Joe was teaching this time, and you know it was—it felt like home. Um, you know, it was just—it was the place where we felt like we needed to have our kids, and the place where we knew that we could grow. My father had actually retired at a very early age due to disability. Um, he had health issues, and so when I was uh, 11 years old, we basically lived on Social Security income. Money was very, very tight. As my dad continued to tithe through that period of time, uh, we also learned from him um, and through scripture and church that God takes care of us, you know, even when we are, you know, very, it's very difficult times. And given that 10%, the reality is it's all his anyway. Growing up, I was raised in a very strict Christian home. And since childhood, all the way up, my parents always gave. Uh, 10% and then whatever else above and beyond. And even though I got away from it, God's always so patient with us and He brings us back. There was one Easter where Joel was uh, speaking on, this is who we are. These are the choices that we make. And um, He wanted everyone in the church to give a one-time tithe, you know. And um, Troy decided to tithe, which we didn't have the money at that time. The economy was bad. I had to go back to work, you know, and um, so he gave, and that was our first step. You know, we knew it was the right thing to do, um, and there was no doubt in our mind that we needed to go ahead and continue in some way, some form or fashion, but when money's tight, it's kind of hard to do sometimes, but boy, was it worth it, you know, because God is good. We've recently had the opportunity to move um, with kids going off to college, et cetera. We've been able to downsize. And in that process, we've found that, you know, we've got some extra stuff. Uh, and so when we heard about, you know, the ability to give that to the church and be able to utilize that money to be able to further the kingdom, what, what could be better? Uh, we probably all have a lot more than we think we do. And uh, I know that's the case with us. It's such a beautiful thing to say, okay, I'm gonna let this go because I know that there are people out there who have needs 
and there was a time I was shopping and I had these clothes across my arm and I was intent on buying those and I felt the spirit say, no, put it back and give it to me. And so I put everything down and I called Troy on the way home and I said, I want you to go online and take this amount of money and give it to the church because I want to give to Jesus. It's not about the money. You know, it's about faithfulness. It's about, it's about who He is and how He provides for us when we don't have anything. And I know that when I give to Northland, they're helping people. And because I used to be on the receiving end of that, I want to give back because that's the best investment you can make. What game was that that we were playing? I just, that occurred to me, that looked like a lot of fun. I want to get that game. But the, the larger point is this. Do you want God to speak to you? That's a big question. Pray and listen, and He will. But beyond the giving part, we pray, give, and live. Now, this is, this is the, the, coming to the point of the sermon. If you don't have a house, no matter where you are, if you don't have a spiritual family that is developing, that is walking with you, and, and, dis, and, and you are being, you're growing in discipleship together and you're serving others and they know you and, 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 and you're, you're on mission together. We want you to have that. We want you to have big church and personal church. And so here are some steps we want you to pray about, okay? And, and don't worry about, I, I, we, got, we got a bunch of people go, okay, what are the steps? Go, oh, wait, I missed number three. Stop it. This is just, we got, we got a long time. This is a long journey, okay? Just relax. <gasps> Relax and take a deep breath and just know that he's going to lead us on this path together. But just let me give you some of the steps, okay? If you don't have what I'm talking about right now, a house, that's for me and my house, and you look around and go, I don't know who my house is spiritually. I don't know who, I don't know who my close spiritual relationships are. We want you to start, okay? Start by praying this. Who do you hang around with now? or you're connected with now, that you wish you could be more intentionally following Jesus together, all right? Pray about this. God, who would you have me begin to intentionally insert some faith language into our normal relationship? Remember what I said some time ago? We've got to spiritualize our normal relationships and normalize our spiritual relationships because we've got them in two different categories. And God doesn't have them in two different categories. God's got you in one category. You are the same person in both, all right? So pray, God, who, who would you have me begin an intentional spiritual relationship with, all right? He will give you names. He will, he will give you an inkling in your heart as to how to start that kind of relationship with someone else, all right? So start, don't care where, don't care, just pray and he will give you an inclination. So if you started then, the next step would be this, to meet consistently with those, with those people. What is the best way to connect with one another on a consistent basis? Just like giving consistently, meeting consistently. 
What is a good way to meet consistently with those folks, however often, once a week? You know, some, some of you can do a daily thing. I don't know. Uh, but, but, but to spur one another on to God and to love and good deeds, to pray for one another. All right? Just consistently to enter it into the conversation. All right? Third step. God's standard. Watch this. Biblical standard. This would be in, this would be in correspondence with the tithe. For Christians, how could you all be more intentional about helping each other follow Jesus and develop your group's identity as your personal church? Some of you already have personal church and, uh, or distributed church. You don't even know it because you don't call it that. And we, again, we don't care what you call it, but just you, you got to say, this really is my church. When you get right down to it, well, if I have a spiritual need, you're the folks I come to. You're the identifiable personal part in the body of Christ that I go to. So this is my church. Well, remember what Christ said. On you, I'll build my church. So the biblical standard is a church. And we can help you do that, no matter where you are in the world, to gather that in and say, I've, I've got a personal church. This is my house. All right? And then the next one. Go to the next one. This is the hilarious part. How will they personally develop and empower what God has put inside of you? How will you all identify each other's spiritual gifts and help each other use those gifts, both inside and outside the group? Ubuntu. Ubuntu. How will you confirm together each other's gift and their gift to the world and what they do well? Everybody needs that. Everybody needs that affirmation. Everybody is insecure. Everybody doubts. And so when they come to you and say, this is what we see in you, you have empowered one of God's servants to do exactly what they do. All right? Let's go a little bit further. Again, don't worry about writing these down. They'll be on the website and we'll keep talking about it. Go to the next one. So together, who could you invite in? Who could you invite in? That's evangelism. Go to the next one. Together, what are the things that you could all do to develop and deepen your relationships outside your main connecting time? That is, on mission together. Go to the next one. How could you all be more intentional about praying for and serving and helping and loving the people around you? That's serving. What does help look like to them? Not do you, what do you want to do for them? What do they actually need in their language? Go to the next one. And multiplication. How can you all respond to the natural expansion opportunities that God will bring your way? Because you see, this is how the church has multiplied through the ages. Church started with a little scared group, but God kept opening the door and these folks kept stepping through it. You will not go deeper in your relationship with God until you go further in your relationships with each other. So that's my challenge. That's what's important for us to consider in these next couple of weeks, no matter where we are in the world. And for these cards that you will get, let me just remind you how important it is to 
make, when, when it says, choose you this day, how important that is as physical people to actually do something, to write it down. Now, uh, by the way, we're not attorneys. We're, we're not, this is just to the Lord. But, but doing this together, on, on a couple of weeks from now, we'll be bringing that down here, I think. I, I'll get back to you on that. But, the, but there'll be some act that you could say, me and my house are in. You know, if you're a single person, me is in. And, 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 and just like the physical act of, of standing up or responding to Christ, and you can name the date, you need to be able to name the date when you said, God, I want to be a part of, do, of what you're doing all over the world and discovering why you made me like this and discovering why I've been through what I've been through and discovering the mission you have yet for me to do. Give me people who surround me, who will help me understand, who will help me act. Will you stand and let me pray for us? Lord, it's overwhelming to know the needs of the world, to see the figures of what you've already been doing in our midst. But that's just a running start. <laughs> we know this, that you're a personal God and you love us personally. And you want us to feel that love in the relationships with which you surround us. So help us to gather in our house, to have a multi-local approach to a global opportunity. Help us to have relationships that can activate your word and your plan in our lives. Take these words and apply them to our minds that we might not grow shallow and apply them to our hearts that we may not grow cold and apply them to our feet that we might be doers of the word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're in this room before you go this morning, um, let me remind you we have a prayer team up front. You need to pray about anything, they're in. They're here with you. This is your church family. If you want to go to the hub, we have child sponsorships right out in front of the hub. Uh, Becky and I have uh, several children in different parts of the world, um, and they, they need you. And so if you want to adopt a child um, and provide for a child, then um, that would be appreciated. Um, tipping brochures and commitment cards are in the foyer. Pick those up. November issue of The Respond is here. Online ministers, Bill Gary, Nathan Clark, yada, yada, yada. Love you. See you next week. Don't forget the sermon next week. It's about you personally. Amen. <laughs>